Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, Practicing the Way, the Prayer Practice. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, I have the pleasure of introducing our guest speaker today as we continue our series, Practicing the Way, focusing on prayer. Uh, Pastor Clark is uh, traveling, spending time with family this weekend. Uh, So we have the the pleasure of hearing from Ed Carroll today. Um, Ed and his family have been uh, attending here at Valleybrook for a couple of years now. He's he's spoken here before. Um, He's been an ordained pastor since 2011, uh, spending time pastoring churches in the Connecticut area, including Ellington. Um, He's joined by his wife, Laura Lee, and Ben today, and he also has several other kids, grandkids, and great-grandchildren as well. Um, And so we have the honor and privilege of hearing from Ed today, but could you all help me and give him a warm Valleybrook welcome today? Thank you. I'm on, I hear it. Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to be back here. Um, I mean, I'm I'm here every week, but it's wonderful to be back here. (laughs) Uh, We're um, we're gonna jump right in. We're gonna have a few passages of scripture for you, which really follow up. Uh, I just wanna take a second to thank the worship team. Wasn't that wonderful this morning? Let's give them a hand. If I can't preach after that, I'm going to give up. (laughs) Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. You know, all the music this morning kind of pointed here. God has spoken to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken He has spoken to us by his Son, through whom he also created the world. He created the whole world. He's God Almighty. He is the radiance of the glory and the exact imprint of his nature. When we see Jesus, we see God the Father. When we see Jesus, he he is God Almighty. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's how powerful he is. he's, He's in every step we take. He's in everything. He holds the universe together by his power. After making purifications for sins, his cross, my freedom. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Then in John 10, it says, the sheep hear his voice. He's talking to us. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Jesus, who is God Almighty, is speaking to us. Are we listening? This week's lesson is on listening, listening in a listening prayer. The first time I spoke here, I uh, related a story about how we adopted our son Ben from Bulgaria, and I'm going to kind of continue that now about the story about and, and continue from when we got home with Ben. Uh, Laura Lee and I were not prepared for the challenge we discovered when we got home from Bulgaria with Ben. Ben was so anxious. He didn't sleep on the whole flight home from Frankfurt, Germany, the car ride home from JFK, and during the reception from the relatives who were there to greet him when we arrived home. 
So that's a long time. When I finally put him in his crib, he was asleep with his eyes open wide. And he's sitting up in the corner of the crib. And he was fast asleep. That was a precursor of things to come. We couldn't find anything that he would eat. Only yogurt and pudding the first few months. The doctor told us, don't worry. He had patients that survived on ketchup. Ben was very high energy and very active. We wrapped our glass coffee table and end tables in bubble wrap, trying to keep him safe. Lorelei and I had decided that I would stay home and take care of Ben, and she would continue to work at her corporate job and keep our health benefits. Ben didn't talk for a long time. He came home in February at 18 months old, and by November of that year, he hadn't said a word. One night after Thanksgiving, we were riding around looking at Christmas lights. Ben was in the car seat in the back, and we approached some lights. As we approached some lights, we heard in the back seat, pity, pretty. Ben had said his first word. Uh, We pulled the car over, and we had a celebration right there in the car. After that, Ben began to repeat different words you hear, hear us say. He knew how to say mommy and eventually daddy. He got fairly good at repeating words and phrases, but he didn't really comprehend what he was saying. They called that echolalia. Uh, Like I said, Ben was very high energy, and he was fairly athletic. It didn't take long before he was climbing out of the crib. Our house was on a cement slab, and we needed to get him into a bed. So we got a little race car bed, and he slept in that. The problem was he needed a lot of supervision. He would be up all night if someone wasn't in there with him, keeping him in bed. I would, go to his room, uh, I would go to his room at bedtime, and we had a little ritual we did every night. I would say, I love you, Ben. And he would answer, I love you, Daddy. Then I would read him the same book every night, The Polite Elephant. That's why he still has his love of elephants, I think, today. That's, he, he started to really love elephants at that time, and he still loves them today. Then I would pray. And then I would sing choruses and hymns until he fell asleep. That usually took about 45 minutes. This went on for quite some time. Ben and I spent our days (laughs) with me trying to find something he would eat. He was eating baby food until he was 10. We went to the park a lot, and we sat at his little drawing table, coloring a lot. He wouldn't wouldn't even hold the crayon. I had to hold the crayon in his hand and move it around for him to make marks on the page. And today, he's a terrific little artist. He's not little. He's a terrific artist. I, I like to think that, that in time invested, holding his hand, marking on the page, paid off. Then, uh, we also watched our share of Barney and Sesame Street. That was our, I'm still a fan. Barney's one of my favorites. Ben was beginning to say more words. He would welcome Mommy home from work and get excited to see her and tell her he liked her. So he knew what he was saying to mommy. He had some emotion. He had some, yeah, mommy's home. <clears throat> then every, uh, every night we went into his bedroom and did our ritual. I love you, Ben. I love you, Daddy. Well, one night we went into the bedroom, and before we started our usual ritual, Ben said to me, I like you, Daddy. Can't describe how that made me feel. Finally, after all those nights of ritual, there was a connection. I think that's how... (laughs) I think that's how the heart of God feels when we make a connection with Him. 
We have a Father in heaven that sent his son Jesus to die for our sins in order, to us, in order for us to have that connection with him. He loves us more than we could ever fathom. That's the kind of father we're talking about, praying to, praying with, and listening to. When we read the Bible, it becomes clear that God has been the one that has been pursuing us. He created us for relationship, first with himself, then with each other. And as we go through these disciplines and practicing the way, the goal is to grow our relationship with God. This week, we're practicing listening. I believe when we practice listening to God, it warms God's heart. The Lord sometimes speaks through circumstances. When Ahab became king in Israel, he was a very wicked king and turned the people's hearts away from the Lord. Elijah the prophet told Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the Lord told Elijah to go hide in the Kareth ravine. So he did what the Lord told him to. He was listening, and he, and he, and he, and he did it. And he was fed there by ravens. Sometime later, the Lord told Elijah, and he was listening, Go to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. So he went. He obeyed. He stayed there with a widow and saw miracles of provision and a dead boy raised to life. After a long time in the third year, the Lord told Elijah, Go, present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. Ahab had been searching everywhere for Elijah because he blamed Elijah for three-year drought. But Elijah did what the Lord said and met with Ahab. He heard the Lord again. He was listening, and he obeyed. Ahab called Elijah the troubler of Israel. Elijah answered, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord Yahweh's commands and have followed the Baals. So Elijah challenged Ahab to bring all the prophets of Baal and all the people of Israel to Mount Carmel and settle the matter. If the Lord Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. So they set up a test to prove which one was God. They took two bulls, one for the 450 prophets of Baal, one for Elijah, the prophet of Yahweh. They prepared the bulls for a sacrifice and set set them on the wood, but they did not set the wood on fire. Then they called on the name of their God, and the God who answered by fire would be acknowledged as God. The prophets of Baal went first. They called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, and there was no answer. Elijah taunted them, saying, Shout louder, surely he is a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and cut themselves until their blood flowed. They continued their frantic calls to Baal until the time of the evening sacrifice, but there was no answer. All day long they called and there was no answer. Then Elijah called to the people, they called the people over to him. He took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes of Israel, <clears throat> And he built an altar in the name of Yahweh. He dug a trench around the altar. Sorry. He dug a trench around the altar and arranged the wood, then cut the bulls into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. They did. And they poured the four large jars of water on the sacrifice two more times until the water even filled the trench. 
At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and have done all these things at your command. He was listening to God all throughout that process. He did all those things at the Lord's command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Yahweh, are God, and you are turning their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked the water up in the trench. When the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. Then they seized all the prophets of Baal and killed them all. Then the Lord brought rain on the land. Imagine how Elijah must have felt. What a victory. Wow. What a victory for the Lord and for Elijah. He was so excited, he outran Ahab's chariot back to Jezreel, where the royal residence was. Ahab told his wife Jezebel everything that had happened, and she sent a messenger to Elijah to tell him she was going to make his life like one of those prophets of Baal. So after all he'd been through over the last three years of hearing God's voice and being obedient and experiencing all the victories that God had accomplished, 1 Kings 19.3 says, Eliza was afraid and ran for his life. He prayed that he would die. He had had enough, and then he slept. Then an angel of the Lord <clears throat> touched him and said, get up and eat. So he ate and drank and laid back down. Then the angel came back and told him, eat some more, because he had a long journey ahead. So he ate and was strengthened and traveled 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Ooh. And this is all that for this. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, <clears throat> go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. <clears throat> After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper, a still small voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The same thing he said before. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. He still didn't get it. The Lord said, that, so this is what the Lord spoke to him. Go back the way you came. Aren't you listening, Lord? She's trying to kill me. I'm running away. Go back the way you came and do this, 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 and this. So what do you think he did? He obeyed. He heard the word of the Lord. He didn't want to, but he did. 
He's, he's still saying, I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. But he kept on going. He went back and he did this, 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 and this. And many of you know that the end of his life was not the end of his life. A chariot came down from heaven and took him up to heaven. He had nothing to fear all along because God, his God, his God was walking with him all the way. And he was listening and he was obeying. No matter how frightened he was, he was still obeying. God sometimes speaks to us through our circumstances. Listening to God implies that we believe what he says and do something about what he tells us. Laura Lee and I went through a group study on prayer that focused on listening to God. The verse that the study focused on and the author had us memorize was 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I even repeated the prayer sometimes during the day. During my morning devotional time, I always ended with, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. One day after I got home from a particularly hard day at work, I was getting ready to take a shower, and I prayed silently, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Got into the nice hot shower and said, Thank you, Lord, for my friend Dwayne. Dwayne's an HVAC guy and had recently come and fixed my boiler that made hot water. Before Dwayne came, the hot water could only last a few minutes. Then the furnace couldn't keep up because the coil was all mucked up. Dwayne came over and ran some chemicals through it and cleaned it out, so now it was working great. During his visit, Dwayne took out his phone and started to show me text messages that he had sent his children and grandchildren. He shared, them, he shared with them from his morning devotion and related it to their lives and gave them a blessing. Every morning, he did that. He showed me this one and this one. Here's the one for Caleb. Here's the one for this guy. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's when I heard the whisper. I said, oh, no. I'm too busy. I have to get up early. You can't be talking to me. I have to feed the dog. I have to make the coffee. I have to, I have to get dressed ready for work. I do my devotions, but adding a text message, I'm out the door precisely at 6.30 every morning to go pick up Ben for work. And he, he knows if I'm a minute late. I can't do this. Oh, sounds like a pretty good idea, though. <sighs> so I did. I'll start sharing something from my morning devotional with my wife and children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. I sent out a text to one of my loved ones every morning, starting with my wife, then my children, oldest to youngest, then my grandchildren, oldest to youngest, then my great-grandchildren, oldest to youngest. Then I would start over from the beginning. I did that for a year and a half, then I stopped. There were some circumstances that happened in my life, but I just was, it just overwhelmed me. I got COVID, and for those couple weeks, I just stopped the doing it and never got back on, never got back on that horse and started texting again. And now Pastor Clark asked me to do this message on listening to God. Thank you, Pastor Clark. It's been a year since I stopped, and I think I hear the shepherd saying, it's time to start sending those text messages again. Here's the thing. It was a joy to do it. It wasn't a burden. That's what we were made for, connection. Connection. His sheep hear his voice and follow him. Are you one of his sheep, and do you still hear his voice, and will you do what he says? Mm. 
God speaks to us through the scriptures too. In fact, I think he speaks to us mostly through his scriptures. Uh, first, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God uses these words in here to train us to be like him, to do what he says, to, to, to listen, and then obey. <clears throat> Have you ever been reading your Bible and all of a sudden a verse or a passage just jumps out at you? It's speaking right to your heart. You know it was meant just for you on that one day, at just at the time you needed it. And sometimes it speaks to me when I don't want to hear it. It, it, it corrects me. Sometimes I'm going down the road one way and it says, whoa, stop. And I don't want to hear it, but I still, if I'm listening, I can hear it. And then I make a choice. I can obey or not. Did you realize that you are that special to God? God put those words in that Bible just for you, just for that time in your life when you needed them. He knows everything about you. He knows exactly what you need and when you need it. Sometimes he speaks right from his heart to your heart through his word, the Bible. I think that the Bible is the primary way that God speaks to us today. He inspired every word so we can know that it's true and dependable. Another way God speaks to us is through his desires through our, our desires. He puts desires in our heart, and then we, we pursue that, and he, he affirms. Sometimes he makes corrections, but sometimes he, and he affirms it, and that's how he brings himself glory, and he does us good. All, the whole story about Ben's adoption and all the things that have happened since is one of those things that just affirms that God is in control of everything. If you just wait for him and do what he says, he's going to do it. I have a story from a book by James Dobson, Dr. Dobson, Focus on the Family Founder. He, uh, it's, it's called In the Hands of God. He starts by saying, ultimately, the comprehension of God's will requires a careful balance between rational deliberation on one hand and emotional responses on the other. Each Christian must find that balance in his own relationship with God, yielding to the teachings of the Holy Spirit. One man's search for this understanding was expressed beautifully by the Reverend Everett Howard, Howard, a veteran missionary to the Cape Verde Islands. Here's his personal account of how he learned to put himself completely in the hands of God. I've spent 36 years in missionary service, a lifetime that has passed so quickly. About 50 years ago, when I was just a young boy, I knew that God was calling me, but I was confused. I didn't know just where or when or what he wanted me to do. Years passed, and I went on through school and college and into Lincoln and Lee Dental University in Kansas City, Missouri. I was still fighting the bat and battling away, unsure of God's direction for my life. One day, I came to the point of a definite decision. My dad was a Christian, and his prayers were inspirational, but that was secondhand. I wanted to do something that could be mine, something I could take through life with me. So I went into the little church where my dad was pastoring and locked the door so I could be alone. I guess I was ashamed for anyone to hear me pray, but that's the way it was. I knelt down at the little altar and took a piece of paper and a pencil and said, now this is going to be for life. I listed everything on that page. I filled it with promises of what I would do for God, including my willingness to be a missionary. 
and every possible alternative I could think of. I promised to sing in the choir, give my tithes, and read the Bible, and do all the things I thought God wanted me to do. I had a long list of promises, and I really meant them. Then, when I had finished the well-written page, I signed my name at the bottom and laid it on the altar. There alone in that church, I looked up and waited for thundering lightning or some act of approval from the Lord. I thought I might experience what St. Paul did on the road to Damascus or something equally dramatic. I knew that God must be terribly proud of me, a young fellow who would make such a consecration. But nothing happened. It was quiet still, and I was so disappointed. I couldn't understand it, so I thought I must have forgotten something. I took out my pencil again and tried to think of something I'd left out, but I couldn't remember anything else. I prayed again and told the Lord that I had put everything possible on that paper. Still nothing happened, so I waited and waited. Then it came. I felt the still, small voice of God speaking to my heart. He didn't shout or hit me over the head. I just felt in my own soul a voice speaking so clearly. It said, son, you're going about it wrong. I don't want a consecration like this. Just tear up the paper you've written. I said, all right, Lord. And I took the paper I had written so carefully and wadded it up. Then the voice of God seemed to whisper again, son, I want you to take a blank piece of paper, sign your name on the bottom of it, and let me fill it in. Oh, oh, that's different, Lord, I cried. But I did what he said, and there in the altar that little church, it was just a secret between God and me as I signed the paper, and God has been filling it in for the last 36 years. Maybe I'm glad I didn't know what was going to be written on the page. Things like lying sick in the lonely mountains of Cape Verde Islands, burning up with fever with no medicine, no doctor, in the closest hospital more than 3,000 miles away. And the famine, when almost a third of the population in our part of the country had starved to death. Money wasn't coming through. Nine months without one single check or penny. Everything we owned had to be sold in order to live. That wasn't written on the page until the time came. But you know, there was no depression. Those were the most blessed days because God was there. And if I could turn around and do it again, I'd do every step of the way that we've traveled for the last 36 years. To those who are listening to me today, I hope that you will also put your name at the bottom of the blank sheet of paper and let God fill it in, especially if you're worried about who you should marry or where you should go to school or what training you should get and all those questions which cause young people to struggle. You don't know what the answers to those questions are going to be, and neither do I. If I tried to tell you what to do, it would probably be wrong, but... God knows. Let him fill in the page, regardless of where he leads or the difficulties you'll experience. And of this, I am absolutely confident the Lord will make his purposes and plans known in plenty of time for you to heed them. Dr. Dobson adds, Reverend Howard retired after 36 years of service to his master. He affirmed that God was still writing on the page he signed as a youth. For me, volumes of theological analysis cannot equal the wisdom in his words and I hope this story encourages you, as it has me, to sign a blank page and let God determine the direction for your life. God's waiting for you to connect with him. One day, I was in the bathroom shaving. I heard a loud bang, and then a few seconds later, Ben 
poked his head around the corner and said, I like you, Daddy. Uh-oh. I went with Ben and saw what the loud bang was. He had a, we had a swing set up in the doorway of our family room for, for Ben to use when he felt anxious or stressed or just felt like swinging. I had warned him several times not to swing too high. The bang I heard was Ben kicking a hole in the sheetrock ceiling of the family room. What was his reaction? I like you, Daddy. Sorry. I had to forgive him, right? When we mess up and feel separated from God and he speaks to us, what's our reaction? Do we run to him and say, I'm sorry, Daddy. I like you, Daddy. That's who he is. He's our Daddy. He loves us more than anything. That's all it takes to get that reconnection back with our Father. I'm sorry, Daddy. I still, I like you. I want to be yours again. You can stand up and start walking again. You have to become familiar with God's word, the Bible. God's voice never disagrees with Scripture. God's voice doesn't always make you happy. Look at Elijah. God's voice is obedience to God's voice is always, always, always the best path. James 5, 17 and 18 say, Elijah was a man just like us. He was just a man just like you and me or a woman. He, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. In the account of Elijah that I experience in First Kings that I just shared with you guys, what I observed is that Elijah's strength in prayer was that he listened to God and then did what he said. The only way to develop the skill of listening to God's voice is to spend time with him, getting to know him, and growing more in love with him. Ben just didn't say, I like you, Daddy, one day out of clear blue sky. I spent day after day, hour after hour, night after night, in, in, the, in his company, singing with him, praying with him, teaching him. God wants that with us. God wants to do that with us. He wants you in his presence, singing with him, praying with him, learning from him, from his book, and trusting him to fill in your blank page. Let's pray. So some people may be here today that, that don't know this God, don't, don't have Jesus as their Savior, that don't say, I like you, Daddy. If you'd like to join this family that is able to come to God and say, I like you, Daddy, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I want you as my Daddy. I know that I can't do this life without you. I want to hear your voice. I want to listen for you, and I want to be obedient to you. I know that I can't do these things on my own. I know that I need Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner, and that, uh, that only you, by your cross can forgive my sins. So I accept that today and I want to be, become yours and I want to give you the blank page and let you fill it in. And for the rest of us today, I want to pray that we would see God in a different way. I want to, I want to pray that we would learn how to listen to him as our loving heavenly father. I pray that you would um, speak to us, Lord, 
from your heart to ours and reveal yourself as our Heavenly Father who loves us and will teach us how to live a better way for you to bring you glory and us good. In Jesus' name, amen.